0: Our text for this morning is the passage we read from Exodus, Exodus chapter 9, verses 13 to 35. Beloved congregation, in our Lord Jesus Christ, we saw that the uh, plagues, the first nine plagues anyway, are divided into three groups of three. The tenth plague, for obvious reasons, standing by itself. And one of the uh, keys to seeing this grouping of the plagues is to see that in the um, first two of each of those groups of three uh, plagues, the Lord sent Moses and Aaron to Pharaoh to announce the plague to Pharaoh. But in the third of each of those groups of plagues, the Lord did not send them. The plague came on Pharaoh unannounced in those cases. Here, of course, we're looking at the seventh plague. And so this is one of the plagues that God announced to Pharaoh. And we'll be looking at that announcement in a moment. So we're beginning the third group of plagues. And what we find in this third group of plagues is that the, Lord, uh, the Lord's work in the land of Egypt becomes uh, much more destructive than it has been before this. We have not yet, up to this point, read that any people in the land of Egypt died because of the plagues. But with this plague, we begin to read about the death of people. There was much destruction prior to this. Animals had died before this. But now God is going to bring his plagues on even the people of Egypt. So we look at this um, plague under the theme, the seventh plague, hail. And we look first at the announcement of the plague, as is found in verses 13 to 19. Then at the response of Pharaoh's servants to this announcement of the plague, as recorded in verses 20 and 21. Then the plague itself, as described in verses 22 to 26. And finally at Pharaoh's response to the plague in verses uh, 27 to 35. So let's look first then at the announcement of the plague as it's described in verses 13 and following. Um, what we have here in these uh, verses uh, is not actual the actual announcement itself. That's not recorded for us. What we have here instead is God's instructions to Moses and Aaron as to how they are to announce the plague. What words they are to say to Pharaoh. So this is God speaking to Moses and Aaron and telling them exactly what they're supposed to say to Pharaoh. And we know that they carried out those instructions of the Lord, because verse 21 tells us, "He who did not regard the word of the Lord, let his servants left his servants and his livestock in the field." So it really makes very little difference whether we talk about this as God's instructions or what Moses and Aaron actually said. A few notes about the announcement before we actually consider what they were to say. First of all, we notice that God commanded Moses to rise early in the morning. This was to be his first task and his most important task for that day. Secondly, we notice that God says to Moses, stand before Pharaoh. And that word stand is actually a word which could be translated a little more strongly than that. It could be translated in this way, and take a stand before Pharaoh. There's a kind of confrontational element to that. Moses is not to be afraid of Pharaoh And he's not to allow Pharaoh to avoid him in some way. He is to confront Pharaoh, and he is to speak the word of the Lord boldly to Pharaoh's face. Pharaoh has great power in the land of Egypt. Of course, he has power even, he would say, over the life of Moses and over the life of Aaron. But Moses and Aaron do not need to fear him. As God's people do not need to fear the wicked who oppose them. The Lord is on their side. In the third place, we notice again that the Lord said to uh, Moses and Aaron, Tell Pharaoh what I want him to do. Speak to him again my commandment, Let my people go that they may serve me. And this was the basic message every time that Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh. Every time they came to talk to Pharaoh, the message was, Let my people go that they may serve me. That's what God wanted of Pharaoh. That's what God wanted Pharaoh to do. Let my people go. That was all Pharaoh had to do in order to avert the plagues that God was threatening to bring on him. Just let my people go. And we notice finally, and this, that the Lord included with his commandment a threat We'll get to that threat in a moment and discuss it in detail because it's quite uh, lengthy here in this passage. But we notice, first of all, about that threat, that this is the Lord's way of giving his commandments to men. When he gives his commandments to men, he tells them what will be the consequences of disobedience. So when he said to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, you may not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he included a threat with it the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. When he gave his uh, moral law to Israel on Mount Sinai, he put a threat into the second commandment. I, the Lord, your God, I mean jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. When he gave them his law again in detail, just before they ended the Their journeys in the wilderness, as recorded in the book of Deuteronomy. He included in that book long sections of curses that would come on the people if they did not obey his commandments. The Lord does not simply tell us what he wants us to do, but he also tells us what will be the consequences of our disobedience. And those consequences are very, very serious. They will be serious for Pharaoh as well. So let's look then in detail at this uh, threat that the Lord includes with his commandment. That uh, really begins in verse 14 already and continues all the way to through verse 19. Now it's instructive as we're looking at the threat that the Lord includes with his commandment, let my people go, to compare this to the prior commandment. Plagues, When God also threatened, at times threatened Pharaoh with consequences for his disobedience. And we're going to be doing that as we look at this. If you uh, turn back, for example, to chapter 7, verse 17. Chapter 7, verse 17. And the first plague that the Lord brought on Pharaoh's land, the turning of the water to blood, You see there that the Lord said to Pharaoh, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with the rod that is in my hand, and they shall be turned to blood. There's his threat against Pharaoh. If you do not obey my commandment to let my people go, I will turn your water to blood. And again in chapter 8, verse 2, the second plague if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your territory with frogs. In chapter 8, verse 21, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants, on your people, and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground on which they stand. That's the fourth plague. And then again, If you go now to 9, verse 3, the fifth plague, Behold, the hand of the Lord will be on your cattle in the field, on the horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, on the oxen, and on the sheep. A very severe pestilence. So the Lord is telling Pharaoh in each of those cases, you see it in each of those cases, what the plague is going to be. If you do not obey, this is what I'm going to do. But here the Lord goes quite a bit beyond that. As we begin to look at this threat of the Lord, we we see that the Lord goes back first in history, and he reviews for Pharaoh's benefit some of the things that he has done in the past. Notice what he says in verse 14. For at this time I will send all my plagues to your very heart, and on your servants and on your people that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. So that's the first thing he says to Pharaoh. He goes back and he's, he, well, he, he looks to the future and he says, I'm going to bring all my plagues. So he's not referring just to the next plague, the plague of the hail, but to the plagues that will follow it as well, the, the uh, locusts and the darkness and the killing of the firstborn. He's not just taking one step forward for Pharaoh then, but talking about all the future plagues. And he's warning Pharaoh, this is not going to be the end. If you will not obey my voice, this time, this is not going to be the end. There are going to be more plagues. Pharaoh cannot tell himself then, at this point, well, all I have to endure is one more, and then I will be safe. The Lord says, I'm going to send all my plagues on you. But he also says there, notice, that Uh, He is going to send this plague against Pharaoh's heart. He has not said that before. He said different things as he's approached these plagues, as he's announced these plagues to Pharaoh, but he's not said that. I will send my plagues against your heart. This plague, he's saying, or these next plagues, are going to be directed specifically against you and against your heart your heart has been hard against me you have refused to hear my word you have refused to obey my commandments and now i'm going to in these next plagues address specifically and very significant in a very significant way that hardness of your heart in fact the lord implies here that there's not going to be restraint anymore He will send all his plagues, he says, on Pharaoh and against his heart. That is, he's been holding back somewhat, and we're going to come back to this in a moment, but he's been holding back somewhat in the first six plagues. And he says, not anymore, not anymore. Now I'm going to release my plagues against your very heart and on your servants and on your people as well. But notice too that he says that Pharaoh is to learn a lesson from this, that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. And again, it's instructive to go back and compare these statements of purpose that God has been making in these plagues uh, when he has announced them to Pharaoh. Actually, the first statement of God's purpose is found in 7, verse 5. In chapter 7, verse 5, Before the plagues had begun and before Moses and Aaron had performed the sign of the rods in Pharaoh's presence. And the Lord says there in 7, verse 5, This is a general statement about the future. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel From among them. He says there the purpose of these plagues is that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And that's the fundamental thing they need to learn of course. Pharaoh had said to Moses and Aaron. You can find it in chapter 5. I don't know the Lord. Why should I obey him? And the Lord says you're going to know me. And your people are going to know me. Before I have brought my people out from among you. Pharaoh will not find reason then at the end of the work of God in his land to say, I do not know the Lord. But if you look then at the next statement of purpose that we find, which is in verse 17 of chapter 7, you read there, thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Now that sounds exactly like chapter 7 verse 5, but it's a little bit different, and it's a little bit different because in chapter 7, verse 5, he says, the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Here he says, by this, you, singular, not plural, singular, by this, you, Pharaoh, will know that I am the Lord. Your people are going to learn it. You are going to learn it as well. Then chapter 8, verse 10, he said, let it be according to your word, that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. So this is the next lesson for Pharaoh, that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. There's no one in all the earth who is like the Lord our God. He is the incomparable one. Who is like me, the Lord says in Isaiah chapter 40. And then in chapter 8, verse 22, In that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. So that's the next lesson. You're going to know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. That is, you are going to know that I am the Lord in your land. You have all your gods. You think you stand with those gods over this land, but you will come to know that you are not the Lord of the land and that your gods are not the Lord of the land, that I, the God of the Hebrews, am the God in your land. I rule in your land. And now turn back then to what the Lord says here in verse 14, that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. A new lesson now. Yes. God is the Lord in the midst of Pharaoh's land. Now Pharaoh is going to learn he's Lord in the midst of the earth, in all, all over the earth. The Lord is the God. So the Lord is progressively displaying His power to Pharaoh and progressively revealing Himself to Pharaoh and teaching Pharaoh lessons about Himself. And this makes it all the more, of course. Uh, reprehensible on the part of Pharaoh that he will not hear the word of the Lord. The Lord doesn't just continue statically to say the same thing over and over and to teach the same lesson over and over, but he makes his plagues more severe and he makes his lessons more uh, pointed as he goes along. And Pharaoh still continues to harden his heart against the Lord's word. So that's verse 14, but now look at verses 15 and 16 in the passage. Here the Lord goes back to what he had done before specifically, and he says, If I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you would have been cast off from the earth. Now, that word pestilence there that he uses in verse 15 is the same word that we find earlier in this chapter, verse 3, when he says he's going to bring a very severe pestilence on the cattle. And so the Lord is referring to that specific plague. And he's reminding Pharaoh that when that plague hit Pharaoh's cattle, his cattle died. And the Lord is saying, if I had brought that plague on you and on your people you would have died. You would have been destroyed. And I could have done it. But I did not. I held back my hand. I held back the fullness of my anger against you. I didn't bring against you the fullness of my destructive power. Why? Verse 16. But indeed, for this purpose, I have raised you up that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. So the Lord says, here's why I have not destroyed you before this. I wanted to show my power in you. Actually, there are some translations. You can look it up in your own if you have a different translation than the New King James here some translations that say that I may show you my power. And that's what the Hebrew actually says, that I may show you my power. He wants Pharaoh to see his power. He had held back in the first six plagues because he wanted Pharaoh to see his power. He didn't want Pharaoh to die right away. He wanted Pharaoh to see his power first. But he's saying, things are going to change now. I'm going to direct my plagues against your very heart. So he wants Pharaoh to learn about his power, but he goes beyond that as well. He says, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. In other words, not only does he want Pharaoh to learn about his power, but he wants all the earth to learn about his power. And we find that his purpose was fulfilled. If you go to Joshua chapter 10, uh, 2, rather, Joshua 2, verse 10, you find Rahab, the harlot, in the city of Jericho some 40 years later, referring to what the Lord had done in Egypt. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for, when, for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. That's what the Lord wanted the earth to know, to learn from these plagues. And from 1 Samuel 4, verse 8, another passage about this. 1 Samuel 4, verse 8. This is at the time that the Philistines were fighting against the Israelites. The Israelites brought the Ark of God into the camp to help them. They thought that that would be a kind of magic token which would give them power against their enemies. When the Egyptians... Or when the Philistines rather heard the noise of their shout as the ark came into the camp, they understood, verse 6, that the the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. So the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us, who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Notice, 400 some years later, the Philistines are still remembering what the Lord did to Egypt. And they're terrified of his presence in the nation of Israel. And isn't this exactly the purpose of the gospel, one purpose of the gospel today? To declare the Lord's mighty works in Egypt and to show men his mighty power And his glory as we declare that word of the Lord. He is still being remembered today. For the works he did in Egypt. That was his purpose then. That his name would be declared in all the earth. And Paul takes this in Romans chapter 9. And he says, why did the Lord harden Pharaoh's heart? He hardened Pharaoh's heart because... He wanted to show his power in him and make his name to be declared in all the earth. Then, people of God, turning back again to the passage, we find the uh, announcement of the specifics of the plague in verses 17 and 18. The plague is going to come according to verse 17, because as yet you exalt yourself against my people, in that you will not let them go. Pharaoh is still exalting himself. And the Lord says, you're exalting yourself against my people. And what he means by that, of course, is that Pharaoh is claiming to be the Lord of this people Israel, who is in his land. He's saying, these are my people, I can do with them as I please. I can use them as I want to. I I can make them my servants. I can put on them as much work as I want. I have authority over them, and I can kill them if if it pleases me to kill them. These are, he's saying, my people. They belong to me. And the Lord says, no, there's someone who has a claim that precedes yours. They are my people, not yours. And I have laid claim to them, and I have commanded you to let them go. When you say they are mine, then you are exalting themselves, yourself against my people. And because you are exalting yourself against my people, I'm going to bring my plague upon you. And it's going to be very severe. Verse 18, tomorrow, about this time, I will cause very heavy hail to rain down, such as has not been in Egypt since its founding until now. Egypt had been in existence already for a long time. You read about Egypt way back in the book of Genesis, in fact. It had been around for a long time, but they had had not seen a hailstorm such as the Lord was going to send on them at this time. And it's going to affect the people and the cattle. The Lord makes that clear to them also. Therefore, send now and gather your livestock and all that you have in the field, for the hail will come down on every man and every animal which is found in the field. Now, we've seen, people of God, as we've looked at these plagues, that every time God made these announcements to Pharaoh, he was giving Pharaoh an opportunity to repent to change his mind, to let the people go. He was giving Pharaoh a chance to obey his commandments, and Pharaoh would not. And therefore the plagues of the Lord increased in their severity. But notice here too that the Lord gives to Pharaoh some very good advice about this plague. He says to him, You can relieve the consequences of this plague if you will only take your cattle and your people out of the fields. Bring them into shelter and they'll be saved. He gives Pharaoh very good advice here. You can save the lives of your cattle and your people by protecting them from the plague which I'm going to send. Now, let's look then at the, in the second place, at the response of Pharaoh's servants to this announcement. It's recorded in verses 20 and 21, and it's a response which is actually twofold. Some of the servants of Pharaoh regarded the word of the Lord, some did not. But before we get to that, there's that word servants that we have to talk about. If you go back in the book of Exodus and look up that word servant, you will see that it does not refer to the people of Egypt in general. It refers instead to what we might call the people of Pharaoh's court. Those people who were serving Pharaoh immediately in his court, his advisors, his magicians, his um, uh, um, uh, court scribes, and all these other people who were there in the court, and some of whom would have heard the announcement that Moses and Aaron made to Pharaoh, and some of whom would have heard about the announcement from their friends and their co-workers there, in the palace. Those are the people that he's talking about here. There doesn't seem to be any concern here on Pharaoh's part or on his servant's part for informing the whole people of Egypt about this plague. They take the plague, the announcement of the plague, and they respond to it according to their different characters and according to their different feelings and ideas about the God of the Hebrews. And so we read, he who feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his livestock flee to the houses. Now that fear, that word fear here does not necessarily mean, of course, godly fear. It can be simply terror. Those who were in terror of the Lord and in terror of his word, who knew from what the Lord had already done in Egypt that in Egypt that he was perfectly capable of, of doing what he had said he was going to do with the hail. Those are the ones who moved their cattle to the houses to shelter and their servants. You see then that some of the servants of Pharaoh are weakening. Their hearts had been hard up to this point, but their hearts are weakening at this point. Perhaps even, we don't know because the scriptures don't tell us, Perhaps even of them came to a godly fear and left Egypt with the nation of Israel in a little while. But anyway, some of the servants of Pharaoh at least were overcome with terror of the Lord and did actually take measures to protect their possessions. But some still did not. But he who did not regard the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. Or better, he who did not take to heart the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. There were still some whose hearts were hard. It wasn't just Pharaoh. It was also the hearts of some of his servants. In spite of all that they had seen, they still said, the Lord can't do this. He's not capable of doing this. We don't really have to take measures to protect ourselves and our possessions from this plague that the Lord is going to bring. It's astonishing, isn't it? They, after all that the Lord has done, they still can't see it. I still can't see the power of the Lord. But this is exactly what we see in unbelief, in our own unbelief sometimes, people of God. We hear the word of the Lord over and over and over again. And we fail to hear, we fail to take it to heart. This is what happened to Israel in the wilderness. They saw the mighty deeds of the Lord over and over and over again and still did not believe. This is what's happening in our own world today. We see the judgments of the Lord falling on our nation and on the world all around us. Plague and fire and Flood and drought and all kinds of disasters, these are the judgments of the Lord on us for our sins. And men continue to go on in the way which they have gone before, to flaunt their disobedience in the face of the Lord, to brag about their wickedness, to defend their wickedness as if it is righteousness, and to oppress those who stand for righteousness. It's nothing astonishing what the servants of Pharaoh did here is nothing astonishing in the history of the world at large the world always stands against the lord and his word we see here then people have got a a kind of model of the different responses which people have to the preaching of the gospel as our Lord described them also in the parable of the sower. Remember, he talked about essentially three kinds of soil. He talked about the soil of the path alongside the field, where it's packed down and the seed has no power to penetrate. And the birds come and snatch the seed away, the word of God away. But he talked about soil which was somewhat ready to receive the word of God, the thorny soil and the stony soil. And these responded to the word of God, first of all, with joy and with uh, thankfulness. And then, of course, through temptation, either through persecution or the temptations of riches, uh, abandoned the word. And then there were those who received the word of God into their hearts and bore fruit, some 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold. That's what we're seeing here among the servants of Pharaoh. All those different responses to the gospel, to the word of God. Now the third thing we want to look at is the plague itself, verses 22 to 26. Notice that this plague, again, as most of the other plagues, came by the hand and rod of Moses and Aaron. With the uh, plague of the boils, we notice that the rod was not used. Moses and Aaron rather took handfuls of ashes from the furnace and threw them into the air. But in most of the plagues, the hand and rod of Moses and Aaron were instrumental in God's work. And here that returns. Verses 22 and 23, stretch out your hand toward heaven. And verse 23, and Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven. That rod is the sign of Moses' authority, that that he is the servant of God, and that as the servant of God, he is doing God's will in the land of Egypt. That's why that rod is used. It is called, in fact, in Exodus chapter 4, the rod of God, not the rod of Moses. And this plague was brought on all the land of Egypt, except, again, Ocean, God separated his people from the Egyptians again in this plague. Now we've talked about that separation before and I I think we should review it again. God always in his dealings with the wicked world separates his people. He separates them because he's always dealing with them according to his grace and for their good. They suffer most of the time in the judgments of God right alongside the world. They suffer the very same things. They get sick with the same illnesses. Their houses are burned down by fires. They're flooded by floods. Their property is stolen and destroyed. There's many kinds of judgments of the Lord that come on the world. And his people get caught up in these judgments as well. But the Lord always makes this separation between his people and the world. And he makes this separation not by dealing with them externally differently, but by dealing with them differently according to his own purposes. He deals with his people according to his grace. And he uses all these plagues and all these afflictions and all these judgments to purify them. As gold is purified in the furnace. But against the world, these plagues are merely destructive. They bring ruin and finally death upon those who will not hear the voice of the Lord. But here the Lord makes a marker of that separation between his people and the world by saying, this plague is not going to come on my people. It's going to affect only the rest of the land of Egypt. The plague went beyond what the Lord had said to Pharaoh, had announced to Pharaoh, by Moses. That's another thing we should notice. There are a number of ways in which it did that. We find not only that the people and animals were affected, as God had said in the announcement, but that also the crops, the herbs, and the trees were affected. The crops affected were, are mentioned in verse 31. The flax and the barley were struck. So there's two crops that are growing in the land of Egypt. And when the hail comes, the hail destroys those two crops. It also uh, destroys the herbs of the field. I think that means the um, stuff that the Egyptians did not plant that grew by itself, some of which would also have been useful to the Egyptians. And it destroyed their tree. The fruit-bearing trees, as well as just the ornamental trees, if we may call them that. All of this was struck by the hail, and that's one way in which it was worse than God had actually said. the second place, we find that there was thunder with the hail. God spoke. The thunder is his voice. God spoke loudly to Pharaoh in this, and his people in this plague. In the third place, we find that there was fire with a hail. That's probably lightning. Our text says that, our translation says that fire darted to the ground. Actually, I think we should probably read fire ran along the ground. And it probably means that the lightning started fires and then the fire spread through other parts of the land of Egypt, burning crops and perhaps wooden buildings and things of that sort as well. So this is a very severe plague and very destructive. People and animals are killed, crops are destroyed, trees are broken. There's thunder, lightning, and hail. It's something that Egypt had never seen with such severity before this. Psalm 78 verses 47 and 48 talk about it a little bit. He destroyed their vines with hail and their sycamore trees with frost Frost probably is just a synonym for hail there. He also gave up their cattle to the hail and their flocks to fiery lightning. It seems from that that even some of the animals were struck by lightning. And Psalm 105, verses 32 and 33 as well. Psalm 105, 32 and 33. He gave them hail for for rain and flaming fire in their land. He struck their vines also in their fig trees and splintered. The trees of their territory. It was a very, very bad storm that the Lord sent. The kind of thing that the world does not very often see. If it has ever seen anything, in fact, like it. But it is a sign, as we should have picked up from Revelation 11. It is a sign of the coming of the Lord. These kinds of things are signs of the coming of the Lord. And when we see these judgments of the Lord coming, people of God today, we should see them as signs that our Lord Jesus Christ is returning. Then finally, we look at Pharaoh's response to this plague. Again, we want to make some comparisons Here with Pharaoh's earlier responses. We turn first of all to chapter 8 verse 8. Chapter 8 verse 8. This is the second plague. The plague of frogs. And when these frogs are in his land. Pharaoh calls for Moses and Aaron. And he said entreat the Lord. That he may take away the frogs from me and my people. And I will let the people go. That they may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Pharaoh gave in. He surrendered. He said, just get rid of the frogs and I'll let the people go. Of course, he changed his mind after the frogs were gone, but he surrendered. Then if you turn to chapter 8, verse 25, the fourth plague, the plague of the flies, Pharaoh says to Moses there and Aaron, go sacrifice to your God in the land. There, Pharaoh's response is an attempt to negotiate. Moses and Aaron had said, They must go into the wilderness three days' journey. Pharaoh says, I'll let you sacrifice, but you may go into the wilderness. Do it in the land. He tries to negotiate with them. And when Moses and Aaron won't give any ground to him, he surrenders again. Verse 28, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you shall not go very far away. Intercede for me. So he tried to negotiate the second time. Then in um, this plague, notice how he responds. A very different kind of response this time. Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous and my people and I are wicked. He had not done that before. He confesses sin. knows that he has disobeyed the commandment of the Lord, and he knows that the plague is the just judgment of the Lord against him for his sin. He admits to Moses and Aaron what he knows in his heart to be true. And yet, of course, it's not a sincere repentance. It's not a sincere confession of his sin because again as soon as the plague was gone he changed his mind this is a sorrow a confession that is driven by terror first of all notice how he he it talks to them In verse 28, Entreat the Lord that there may be no more mighty thundering and hail, for it is enough. You can hear the terror in Pharaoh's voice there. He has understood that this is a mighty God against whom he has lifted himself up. And he's also... People of God, sorry not for what he has done against this God, but sorry for the consequences of his sin. And he confesses sin in order to be relieved of the consequences. This is no true repentance on Pharaoh's part. Because true repentance is not just terrified of the Lord, but fears him with a godly fear and wants to serve him and obey him. And because true sorrow is sorrow not so much for the consequences of sin as for the offense committed against this great God. Nevertheless, Pharaoh has promised to do what the Lord commanded him to do, and so Moses says, I will go and pray for you. And the thunder will cease, and the the thunder and the hail will cease. But he again says, Pharaoh, you should learn from this. Verse 29, Moses said, as soon as I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease and there will be no more hail that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. He takes another step, you see. The the Lord is Lord in the land of Egypt. He's Lord of all the earth. Now Moses says, not only is he Lord in all the earth, but the earth is his. It belongs to him. Your land belongs to him. You and your people belong to him. Your cattle and all your livestock belong to him. Your crops belong to him. The people Israel whom you are oppressing belong to him in a very special way. All the earth is his, the earth is the Lord's, and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas, and established it upon the floods. Pharaoh must know then that the earth is the Lord's. And yet Moses says at the same time to Pharaoh, I know that you're still not ready to obey this Lord. As for you and your servants, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord." God you're still not he says enough afraid of him actually to obey his commandments and of course that's exactly what happened the hail the rain the thunder ceased and Pharaoh verse 34 sinned yet more and hardened his heart he and his servants so the heart of Pharaoh was hard Neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord had spoken by Moses. Two things by way of conclusion, then, people of God. First of all, let us not think that we would never be like Pharaoh, that we would never be such fools as to ignore the manifestations of God's power and the revelations of his judgments. we sometimes are it was not so long after this that the people of god in the wilderness showed the same hardness of heart to pharaoh to god that pharaoh had shown and that's why in psalm 95 we read what we do at the end of that psalm psalm 95 today if you will hear his voice notice that word today today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness when your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said it is a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. And what was the Lord's judgment on that people? His own rebellious people. So I swore in my wrath, They shall not enter my rest. He killed a whole generation of Israelites because they hardened their hearts as Pharaoh had hardened his heart. Let us be warned. But also, people of God, we must not lose sight of the overall purpose of God in these plagues and in this work in Pharaoh's land. And that overall purpose is the redemption of his people. He talked to his people and he talked to Pharaoh before ever he began his works there in the land of Egypt about why he was doing this. He was going to bring his people out of Egypt. And through all these flags, he's working in his own wise and incomprehensible way to bring about exactly that end, to bring his people out of the land of Egypt. And this is what we should do here and now in our own time, people of God. We should look at the judgments of the Lord coming on the earth and we should say to ourselves not only that we must be warned against the wickedness of this world but also that our God is working for our redemption. We should lift up our heads because our redemption draws nigh. The Lord God is working by His grace for our salvation. May God bless the proclamation of His word.